Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Central Lounge, which is brought to you by Global Stake. Today, we're very excited because our guest is Bob Guzman, who's one of the co-founders of Homology Digital, um, which is a portfolio management uh, company uh, that is currently in um, what you'd like to call stealth mode, but they have an MVP product launching very soon called Invariance. Uh, very excited to have Bob on today to talk about it. Um, Bob, can you kind of start us off here from the very beginning and just talk about your personal journey, your personal narrative, and, and what's led you through traditional finance, and then what's led you today to actually into digital assets um, and where you are in your career? Sure, Jordan. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Um, goodness, I've been in you know uh, finance, I guess, a little over 30 years. Um, after after graduate school, I joined the sell side of the industry, um, spent just about 10 years on the sell side with most of my, my focus. I was part of a fixed income team with um, focus uh, primarily on derivatives. Now, this is going back a bit of, of time um, where derivative, derivatives were in their infancy compared to where they, they, they were in the financial crisis or where we stand today. So it was great timing. Um, Transitioning from graduate school, you know, into into the sell side, I really learned um, cutting edge products, what were cutting edge at the time, how the how the market actually worked, um, and then from that, I joined the the asset management or buy side of the industry, where I've been for roughly twenty, almost twenty five years, um, and this is all in traditional finance, broadened out from fixed income into multi asset, so equity, currencies, commodities, and, and to a limited extent, property. Um, Always part of a solutions team, um, worked very closely with uh, pension plans um, to help them, insurance companies, really to help them with their asset liability mismatch. Around 2016-17, while working in New York, I became aware of the blockchain and all of the um, the, the promises that were contained within. And what really struck me about that was the technology itself. I, I didn't have a very strong opinion. In fact, probably skeptical that any of the cryptocurrencies would replace fiat currencies. I just couldn't wrap my head around that. However, um, appreciating the difficulties of the financial crises and that I've you know lived through a couple of them, a lot of them often stem, stem from issues in the middle office, issues in the back office, and of course, you know, fun and games that occur in the front office. Um, I saw this technology as revolutionizing, um, you know, risk, really helping to reduce risk, settlement risk, counterparty risk, uh, and that really what intrigued me. My career had been spent for the most part in very large firms. And I really wanted to, um, I had a lot of experience, I wouldn't say expertise, I think that's an overused word, but I had a lot of experience that I felt that this new technology was going to usher in a new era for finance, other parts of our lives as well, but the expertise or experience I had was in finance. So I figured, wow, this would be great to partner up with some, you know, technologically, you know, gifted folks and see if we couldn't, you know, make some contributions to this new space. Um, left left a large firm, joined a small, um, not you know, uh, not a digitally focused firm. But my first foray into small firms was at a fixed income shop that was looking to develop portfolio management system for fixed income. Um, and that was a great experience. It, it, I really learned how small firms of 20, 25 people operate, which is very, very different than large firms. So it was a nice transition. And it's actually where I ultimately met my co-founder, Maxime Osmanov. Um, he was working at the same firm. We both landed up leaving. 
I entered the, the digital space first working at a, um, a, a, a startup um, where I was the first employee. This is a risk, manage, risk management based startup. And, um, you know, 2022 was a volatile period. Uh, after about a year, I left them and um, reconnected with Maxime. And we had the idea to uh, stay in the space and actually start our own company. What I really felt was missing um, in the digital space was a proper portfolio management system. And if you come from the traditional space, that has meaning. Whether you're an equity manager, fixed income manager, you have your positions in a system. And the system tells you basically, you know, your P&L, your profit, you know, your profitability, your loss, how you're tracking versus an index, the risk of your portfolio. It allows you to rebalance your portfolio. It is where you do everything. Um, very, very common. In fact, every place in, in traditional finance, every asset management firm is using some some form of an asset a portfolio management system. In the digital space, circa 2021, 2022, and even as we speak now, there was no platform similar to what you take for granted on the traditional space. So I said, wow, I, you know, I'd like to build an asset management firm, a digitally native asset management firm. But first, I'd really like to have a portfolio management system that we ourselves would use for our own asset management, but also that we could, you know, sell to um, and have clients and actually have them use our same portfolio management system. Hence, Homology Digital was born. Fascinating. Um, so question for you, when it came to first learning about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, what led you down the path to starting to explore maybe some of these public cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, versus maybe staying deep in TradFi um, and maybe exploring what JP Morgan's doing with Onyx or even some of these other permission type blockchains? Um, I began, it's sort of, um, I, I was intrigued by understanding, and the only way I felt I'd understand what was happening was to immerse myself in the crypto native space. <clears throat> I can understand what JP Morgan's doing. I can understand any of the large banks. I mean, it, you know, the, the behavior exhibit is, is what you would expect, right? They're not going to benefit by having a, a you know, a permissioned blockchain. It's common sense. They'll form a consortium amongst the biggest banks and they'll trade amongst themselves. And you're either inside the walled garden or you're outside the walled garden. It, if I were running JP Morgan, that's what I would do. It's clear why you would behave that way. There's nothing wrong with that, except if you're not inside the walled garden. Um, the, the power of a public blockchain, in my opinion, is enormous. It's, it, it allows proper decentralized finance. It allows... Um, I believe it allows the full potential of the technology to be realized. And so ultimately, it's sort of almost like any, anything. I said, well, if yes, I could stay at one of the larger firms, could have stayed at one of the larger firms and then built from within. The pro problem with that is, you know, to, to be at any of these large firms, you're either in the right seat or you're not. And the contribution is either meaningful and usually, well, does one person really make a difference? Well, usually not. So I, I found the ability to learn more and actually contribute more to a small firm to be far more appealing. Um, ultimately, I guess if you're asking me, do I think public or private win out? I think in a period of regulatory uncertainty, a private blockchain is easy to understand, right? It's ring fenced. It's all protected, dot, dot, dot. And you'll get blessing that way. 
ultimately, I think the technological, the, the technical hurdles of KYC, AML, things that regulators will be and should be concerned about will be overcome. There's lots of really, really smart people focusing on these problems. The, the, it's within the technology's ability the circle will be squared. Once that happens, I see very little wrong with with a public blockchain and all of this happening within a public blockchain. It's interesting, Bob, just it sounds like the, who are you specifically targeting with your homology digital? Like, the, you know, the, obviously there's an institutional interest. We keep hearing people like Larry Fink talking about a flight to quality, but it seems like with this smaller boutique offering, is there a particular client that you have in mind for your offering? Um, I think it's as, <clears throat> as, Asset management firms begin to flourish in the digital space. So I think of the digital space as having two components, digitally native securities, i.e. tokens, Bitcoin. Think of any of the tokens that we, you know, names that we're familiar with. These tokens I think of as a new asset class. Digitally native tokens I view as an asset class, whether it's pick a token, they serve various purposes, various protocols, whatever they allow you to do. It, um, this is a new asset class. You have digital assets, which is a term I use to, to refer to all assets which are not digitally native. So think of real, real world assets. As they become digitized, tokenized, they will trade on chain. Let's leave alone whether it's a public or private blockchain, let's just say on chain. As that migration starts, you now have a portfolio of digital things. You can now, I could choose to buy Google digitized, I could tokenized, I could choose to have a portfolio existing of various gaming um, tokens that are digitally native. It's another asset class. So as, as asset management migrates on chain, folks who manage multi-asset portfolios will look at, well, I have private equity, public equity, private and public fixed income, I have currencies, I now have a new asset class called digitally native that has its own ecosystem, has its own structure, has its own risks and rewards, a, a complementary, but a distinctly different creature than public equities. Yet I'm a multi-asset portfolio manager. I want to have exposure in these various asset classes because I think it's going to offer better risk return in the next one year, two year, three year. So you'll have digitally native asset management firms so firms that, you know, composed of folks from TradFi that got into the digital space one year ago, two years ago, and they're managing a portfolio with a fundamental view towards, you know, discerning value within digitally native, or perhaps they have various algorithmic approaches, machine learning, AI, whatever their approach is, they're, they're viewing it as, I want to have a diverse portfolio of digital assets. Well, as soon as you say that, you ask yourself, well, how am I going to decide which assets are attractive, which are, you know, which I want to be long, which I want to be short? You come up either fundamentally or perhaps in an algorithmic approach, you come up with your buys and sells. And the question naturally arises, well, how do you construct the portfolio? You found these following 25 tokens you'd like to buy. How much do you buy? How do you actually construct the portfolio? And that type of an approach broadly falls into a portfolio management system. So, Hedge funds, you know, digitally native hedge funds or hedge funds in general typically don't have the need for a portfolio management system in the way, in the way I'm describing. Their approach is, is different. The timeframes can be quite different. They need to have an accounting, of course, of their positions. They need to know their exposures, but they're more concerned with the, 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 the PNL and the, and the dynamics of what's happening, which is different than, um, you know, your traditional asset manager. Um, 
So who, who are we earmarking here? Digitally native asset management firms that are, as I described, and also as traditional players begin to migrate as we get regulatory clarity in the digital space and as more real world assets begin to become tokenized as and that's already happening and is only going to continue to speed up that's going to bring asset management firms like blackrock like any of the big names or small names will migrate on chain will begin to offer their clients exposure in digitally native securities and real world assets that have been digitized so i think the blend will come from both as a quick follow-up question, you talked about how you think that this is a completely different asset class. We see sort of the infighting between the CTFC and the SEC. You know, Bitcoin's already declared a commodity. Uh, everything else is up for grabs. Do you feel that with that coming regulatory clarity, we'll have a new distinct asset class, as you claim, you know, that's something that's maybe over, you know, overseen by a different body altogether that has sort of the knowledge to, you know, exercise – this ownership over the class? Um, that's a great question. I wasn't so much think, thinking that through a regulatory lens. I, I think what, what's going on there is is wholly different. Um, arguably, may, maybe politically driven. It's you know, it's it's unfortunate what's happening here in the U.S. I think it, it's really slowing the U.S. down from a competitive perspective globally. You're seeing around the world other regulators come to terms with this. And I think we run the risk of we in the U.S. run the risk of falling behind. But when I, when I'm talking of a different asset class, if I think of if I think of equities, public equities, and I think of public fixed income, they're different asset classes. They they different. They affect. They're affected differently by geopolitical effect, by geopolitical factors, by economic factors. Um, they respond differently to where we are in the economy. What I meant was is digitally native. Bitcoin, ETH, any of these, any of these natural tokens are different. They, they behave and respond differently than than fixed income does, than equities do. They're an asset class. The their their price response, their their risk characteristics um, are very very different than than equities or fixed income. So, leaving alone the regulatory question for a moment, as a manager, I I need to be if I'm going to manage a portfolio of digitally native assets. I, I need to be aware of their characteristics. Does it matter what the Federal Reserve is doing? Do they care about what the economy is doing? Inherent risks that are that appear on a blockchain. I can stake these 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 types of securities. That's different than what I can do in in, in TradFi. Yes, there's a there's a finance and lending market in TradFi, but it's very very dissimilar to this staking that can go on in in uh, in DeFi. That brings its own set of risks. So. My my point of saying is that it's a distinct asset class was more from an investment perspective. I think what's going on on a regulatory front is, look, it's it, it's not that hard. This is much ado about nothing. You know, the, the, I mean, it, it is really. I mean, these. You know, again, I'm not a regulatory expert, but I think you could have wrapped your head around this two years ago. It, it's just not that hard. Yeah, yes, there's a learning curve to get up. Of course, the regulators need to internally need to get up the curve. They need to understand the blockchain. They need to understand the nature of these securities. They need to have KYC. They need to have AML. Folks that manage portfolios on behalf of others need to be registered. That This is inevitable. There's not going to be this wild west where you can flout all of the rules and, and, and manage money on people's behalf. That's never going to happen. So the regulators need to get up the curve. But look, whether we think this is a security, whether we think this is a commodity, 
it certainly doesn't matter. It, do I think there's a need for a third regulatory agency? Goodness, I, I, I would hope not. I would, think, I, I, would, I would think you could share the responsibility jointly between the CFTC and the SEC. I, you know, again, in, in terms of the complexity of this, 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 this new technology and what it's wrought, how to regulate it while not trivial is certainly on the lower down the, the complexity scale, from my view. So I'm I'm curious, and I don't want you to give away any any alpha or anything like that. But a lot of traditional or tradfi per se portfolio management systems, such as Aladdin, for instance, um, are starting to to experiment and explore about how they can input maybe Bitcoin and Ether as of right now. A lot of them aren't even looking towards the other assets. So they already have these pre-built systems. Aladdin, for instance, you know, partnered with Coinbase publicly to work on those two. There's downsides to having an existing portfolio management system trying to adapt mm -hmm. to modern digital assets. What differentiates you all, considering that you're building this from the ground up to support digital assets right. from day one? Um, really curious. Um, great question. I, I, I think you even see that in, in, in TradFi also. I mean, you mentioned Aladdin. There's Aladdin. There's you know, there's Axioma. There's Charles River. There's lots of different asset management systems, portfolio management systems in TradFi. Yet startups thrive. You know, I alluded to the fact that, you know, when I left large firms and went to a small firm, we were working, you know, the company's purpose was to build a portfolio management system for fixed income. Well, why, why would anyone need that? I mean, you know, it's, it's circa 2019. Why would you need that? It's been, they've been around now for 20 years, at least, if not longer. Um, however, it was built from the ground up. So it's technology. The use of technology was cutting edge. The, it didn't carry any of the baggage of a system, you know, that's been around 10, 15, 20 years, and you're trying to get things to, to, to match new technology, new languages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, expertise and experience. Um, so when I, what I experienced at this fixed income startup that I was part of was that there was still a lot of space and appetite for a new portfolio management system for fixed income. It had been built by people, you know, myself included, who actually have managed portfolios, who know what a system should be able to do. Um, I think the reason that drove me to think that, well, this is missing in the digital space. Yes, of course. BlackRock, Aladdin, um, Bloomberg, all of these companies are going to roll out. It's obvious, but that's a good thing. BlackRock rolling into the space and having Aladdin ready to do this is a good thing. It's a good housekeeping seal of approval, right? You know, they're, they're the firm. It's a big industry. There'll be plenty of space for others to differentiate. We'll not have the baggage to try to make our system, like, you know, all portfolio management systems, risk management systems started out equity-like in nature. They then had a morph to handle fixed income. Well, most of them did a very poor job at that. You look at Aladdin, Aladdin started out as a fixed income portfolio management system by birth. It was much easier for those guys to morph into equities, equities being for the most part a simpler asset class from a you know a risk perspective. So those type of migrations work. The other way didn't. So the baggage, technical baggage, baggage, you know, the programming baggage is hard for a larger firm to be fleet of foot. A startup has that. We, you know, we bring a lot of experience. Um, myself and my two co-founders in this space, we've used portfolio management systems throughout our whole career. So you sort of know what you'd like. What would, what would I like if I were sitting down and had to manage a digital portfolio? What do I want it to do? What do I need it to do? 
And okay, let's make sure the technology is capable of delivering that experience. So then looking towards the future, I'm curious, your other co-founders, Maxim Osmanov and Marco Schweizer, um, looking, like I said, towards the future, what do you think would be the next big milestone for digital assets and, and how is digital or homology digital preparing for that future? And I guess to allude to it, one of the things I've noticed you guys are adding into your product is actual portfolio tokenization, uh, which sounds fascinating to me. Yep. Um, it, I mean, everyone's waiting for, uh, you know, the ETFs to be approved, and that will be a big milestone. Um, I think, you know, once that happens, it'll be very easy for uh, traditional um, uh, traditional companies, traditional, you know, RIAs, wealth managers, for, for anyone who's wanted to have exposure to this asset class will very easy, be very easy for them to get it in a product that they understand. It'll fit in. It'll be a, a line item in an equity portfolio. It'll say Bitcoin ETF. Well, your your PMS already knows portfolio management system already knows how to handle that. It's, it'll all be there. You'll see your P and L. You'll know how to attribute. It'll all come. And that's. I don't mean to minimize. That's an important first step. That's like dipping a toe in the water. See, see what the temperature's like. Once you open those floodgates, once that's opened. Now people will stand, they'll see the performance. They'll, you know, there'll be regulatory clarity. People will, will start to race ahead. People are now going to start to say, okay, well, you know, maybe I want to actually think about this as an asset class. Well, I just don't want to have Bitcoin exposure, but maybe there's this gaming thing and there's this other sector and these really cool stuff going on. So how can I get exposure to that? Well, then people will quickly say, well, let's create an ETF that covers an index, a digitally native index or a digitally native sector. That quickly gets made into an ETF. Now you're buying not a portfolio of a single not an ETF of a single an asset, but an ETF of a of a fifteen or twenty tokens or a, a benchmark of two hundred and fifty tokens. So you're covering the entire landscape of digitally native exposures. Think of sector exposures. Think of like the S and P five hundred. That's the next important stepping stone. So now, but you're still doing everything in a passive frame of thinking, right? If you buy a portfolio, a, an index or a sector, well, it, it has rebalancing rules and it gives you passive exposure. There's no alpha. You're simply getting whatever that sector or index does in terms of performance, which is cool. It's definitely a positive thing, It's your, but it's baby steps. Now, people will quickly, and it's already happening, think about, well, how do I add alpha? Well, what the, first off, one has to define what does alpha mean? Well, alpha has to be something above and beyond something. Now, the something could be a floor of zero. In other words, alpha is if you give, deliver a positive return, that's good alpha. A negative return is bad alpha measured against zero. Quickly, you'll, you'll, you'll need a reference point to benchmark. So if you're a U.S. equity manager, maybe you measure yourself against the S&P 500 or maybe against the Russell, depending on the type of manager you are. As you start to think about alpha in digital, the digitally native space, to make that comparison meaningful, you're going to have to compare it to a benchmark, a digitally native benchmark, which folks are working on, you know, as we speak. And there's, you know, lots of good stuff being done. So now how are you going to deliver alpha? Well, maybe you do it algorithmically, some type of machine learning, some type of uh, an algorithmic approach, or maybe it's a fundamental approach. Maybe you start to look at digitally native tokens the same way an equity analyst would look at stocks. And from a bottom-up type basis, you try to just you know think of every every token really as representing a company, and build up your view on that on that company revenue, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a very distinctly different problem than in TradFi. And um, so I think as you start this snowball beginning, and the ETF will 
be the catalyst to kick things off. Um, I know there was a second part to your question, which I've completely forgotten. Um, it ties back to us. Oh, yeah, no, it was essentially the product and variance that your your MVP is launching here very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, portfolio tokenization is one of the first. Uh, yes, yes. We, we being a, a believer early on that all assets would tokenize, we, we began to think of, wow, this is this is pretty cool. You know, we, we, we homology could tokenize a sector. We homology could tokenize an index. And, and you know, we have the technology, we have the understanding, but I was like, you know, that's we're not going to stand a competitive chance. Others will come into the field that have done this already in TradFi and, and we'll just get run over. So we began to say, well, wow, it would be far more interesting perhaps to actually create a portfolio using invariance and to tokenize the portfolio. Now, why would that be of interest? Well, on the surface, maybe not, but quite often some some firms, particularly wealth managers, as, as well as some other institutional type of asset managers, will have the concept of a model portfolio and maybe more than one type of model portfolio. You know, it could be conservative, risky, or middle-of-the-road type thing. Well, if you constructed these model portfolios in TradFi, you, what you do is you then try to, for on a client-by-client basis, try to approximate a portfolio that has the same characteristics as your model portfolio. Well, by tokenization, you could envision create, actually creating this portfolio, tokenizing it, so the entire portfolio is reflective in, in a single token, and then basically discretizing or fractionalizing that portfolio token. Therefore, depending upon which of the three buckets, as an example, your client fits into, you'd have three different model portfolios that have been tokenized, and then clients can just buy a slice depend of that tokenization depending upon their appetite. That's awesome. Exciting times ahead. Very exciting times ahead. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for coming on today and, and talking about Homology Digital. For those of you that are listening that want to contact Bob, please reach out to him on LinkedIn. Go to their website, homology.digital, uh, to learn more about their product and variants that's launching here very soon and how you can uh, work and partner with Homology. Uh, really appreciate it, Bob. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure. Pleasure.